given a very bad press this morning, so I hope you'll ignore it. I was just sympathising with Kevin because he's supposed to have a sore leg and I showed him what a a really sore leg looks like. (laughs) We were looking at very serious stuff last week in relation to the defeat of Israel at Ai, which was the second city that they attempted to conquer. And we discovered that the defeat was due to the sin of a guy called Achan. And we we read how the Lord dealt with him. And today we're going to move to the sequel to that, which is found in Joshua chapter 8. And the words will appear on the screen behind me. I'm going to read the first 19 verses. And then this evening we'll be looking at verse 30 through to the end of the chapter. So from the beginning of chapter 8 of the book of Joshua. Then... This is after Achan's death, after his sin had been dealt with. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai, for I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves, set an ambush behind the city. So Joshua and the whole army moved out to attack Ai. He chose 30,000 of his best fighting men and sent them out at night with these orders. Listen carefully. You're to set an ambush behind the city. Don't go very far from it. All of you be on the alert. I and all those with me will advance on the city and when the men come out from against us, As they did before, we will flee from them. They will pursue us until we have lured them away from the city, for they will say they are running away from us as they did before. So when we flee from them, you are to rise up from ambush and take the city. The Lord your God will give it into your hand. When you have taken the city, set it on fire. Do what the Lord has commanded. See to it, you have my orders." Then Joshua sent them off, and they went to the place of ambush and lay in wait between Bethel and Ai, to the west of Ai, where Joshua spent that night with the people. Early the next morning, Joshua mustered his men, and he and the leaders of Israel marched before them to Ai. The entire force that was with him marched up and approached the city and arrived in front of it. They set up camp north of Ai with the valley between them and the city. Joshua had taken about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai to the west of the city. They had the soldiers take up their positions, all those in the camp to the north of the city, and the ambush to the west of it. That night Joshua went into the valley. When the king of Ai saw this, he and all the men of the city hurried out early in the morning to meet Israel in battle at a certain place overlooking the Arabah. But he did not know that an ambush had been set against him behind the city. Joshua and all Israel let themselves be driven back before them, and they fled towards the desert. All the men of Ai were called to pursue them, and they pursued Joshua and were lured away from the city. Not a man remained in Ai or Bethel who did not go after Israel. They left the city open and went in pursuit of Israel. And the Lord said to Joshua, Hold out towards Ai the javelin that is in your hand, 
for into your hand I will deliver the city. So Joshua held out his javelin towards Ai. As soon as he did this, the men in the ambush rose quickly from their position and rushed forward. They entered the city and captured it and quickly set it on fire. That will suffice for our morning reading. One of the, the most difficult things in Christian living is to deal with setbacks, to deal with failures. To actually say to the Lord, I got it wrong, and I need you back in my life to redirect it into a new way, to have a new focus. And you will remember from our readings last week that uh, chapter 7 begins with the Israelites saying to themselves, we can handle AI without much problem. They'd been buoyed up by the fact that the Lord had given them Jericho. And they decided when they attacked AI, they would do it in their own strength, in their own way. In fact, they got very casual about it. And they actually said to Joshua, you may remember at the beginning of chapter 7, just a few of us need to go up. It's only a little city. It laid about 20 miles west of Jericho, up into the hills up through the Judean desert and up into the green area, not far that far from Jerusalem, or Salem as it was called in those days. And, uh, you know, they, they had this notion, and it's sometimes a notion that we all have to some degree, we can handle the next situation because the Lord has been with us in the last. And I want to say unequivocally right at the start this morning, you and I have to seek the, seek the Lord in every situation. Because when you and I try to do things on our own strength, we discover that someone is stronger than us. And we find ourselves in all sorts of difficult. I mean, this was a a strategic defeat for Israel. They just conquered Jericho, but that was their only foothold in the land. And to be repulsed at the next small city must have given given great heart to their enemies within the rest of the land. You'll remember that Joshua was then responsible before the Lord of dealing with Achan's sin. And I want you to look at the verses that open chapter 8 because they're very instructive. And the first thing to notice, and I know Hazel will help us in this, you'll notice in the first verse that then, after the situation had been dealt with with regard to the sin of Achan, then the Lord sent to Joshua, And the Lord often takes our initiative and often takes the initiative when you and I lay out before him a particular issue. And I know you've found that in your life as a Christian if you're a believer this morning. You've found that the Lord speaks into situations when you turn back to him and say to him effectively, Lord, we got it wrong and we need to make a fresh start. And the Lord says to Joshua, what he actually says to Joshua in chapter 1, Because I think you and I have short memories. I certainly have in relation to what the Word of God so frequently says. And the Lord uses the same phrases to Joshua as he did right at the beginning of this adventure when they began to cross the Jordan. And he says to Joshua, Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. I don't know what situations that you've met in this week, but Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. 
Because the Lord has dealt even with death itself. So don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. These things that come so naturally to us, we lose heart readily and we become fearful. And the Lord always addresses himself into the situations that are closest to our hearts. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. But then he immediately lists action that is necessary. And comfort and action often come together in Scripture. And you notice what he says to Joshua. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai. You have to recover this ground that has been lost due to disobedience and sin. You have to go back to where you were defeated. If you look at the life of Abram, you'll discover that the Lord often takes him back to Bethel because Bethel means the house of God where Jacob first met with God. And Abram is often taken back there after he's wandered away from God's purposes. The Lord always takes us back so that we we face the issues that have previously been difficult and heartbreaking. But he goes back, you'll notice, under the instruction of the Lord that he's to take the whole army. Never treat lightly the opposition which, which Satan presents to us. Never assume that we can do it in less than that which is necessary. Take the whole army with you. Whenever Paul's writing to the Ephesian church in chapter 6 in the New Testament, in verse 11, he says, Put on the full armor or the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil's always scheming to thwart Christian witness. It's his business. Right from the start, you'll remember, when he tempted the Lord Jesus, He tempted him in relation to the Lord's mission here on earth. He said, you do certain things and I will give you. You do certain things and I will give you. You bow down and worship me. I'll make sure that the world gets around to worshiping you. And that's still a temptation to the church. You know, do it that way and the Lord will bless it. The Lord doesn't work like that. The Lord works his way. And you and I need to recognize that again and again in our lives. I have to put on the full armor of God. And the word there is to put it on daily. I can get up in the morning and say, well, I've got the helmet of salvation, so I'm okay. But I have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. I have to put on the girdle of truth. I have to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and apply it to myself. It's not for use against the enemy. It's, it's to be applied to myself. Take to yourself the sword of the Spirit. And, and this is a daily exercise. And so the Lord says to Joshua, we'll do it my way. This is how we'll do it. You take the whole army and attack Ai. Why? Because I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. The battle is always the Lord's. I have delivered. I think often we try to short circuit that. You know, 
I've mentioned before from this platform that folk have said to me in the past, Peter, are you getting the victory? And I've had to say with others, I don't get any victories. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you think you win victories, remember always it's the Lord who does the delivering into our hands of a situation resolves according to his will and purpose. And so often we get these emphasis confused, and in confusing them we dishonor the Lord. I mean, if you and I get to heaven, we're all able to say, oh, you want to know how I got on with the devil and how I beat the devil and how I dealt with temptation and how I was able to handle things. Heaven would be an awful place. Even worse than earth, we'd be boasting all the time about how brilliant we were. Heaven's about the Lord. It's about being with him and recognizing all that he has done. And we think about that again tonight from verse 30 onwards in an entirely different emphasis, but... You know, it seems to me that as I get older, I need to be careful of this principle because sometimes we rely on experience rather than relying on the Lord or relying on something that worked previously and say to ourselves, well, we'll try that. It's not like that. Your Christian living can't be like that. It has to be fresh with the Lord every day. They had tried previously to deal with AI according to their own thinking. And the Lord says, well, this is how we're going to do it. You'll notice what follows. You shall do to AI, verse 2, and its king, as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the city. Now, why did the Lord say you can have the plunder and livestock for yourselves? Didn't allow that at Jericho. Why does he allow it at Ai? I'm not going to tell you. You're going to think about it for a week or two. And just see what the Lord brings to mind. Because there's an important principle here. The Lord allows reward both in this life and the next. I won't go any further than that. But you have to think about it. You may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. And the only direct instruction which the Lord gives with regards to the fall of Ai, is in the next phrase. Set an ambush behind the city. But Lord, you didn't do that at Jericho. We walked in full view. We marched around the city, and the city fell. And I can almost hear the Lord saying, that was yesterday. This is today. You do it my way. We need, I believe, to get back to this first principle of doing things the Lord's way. Because we can get taken up with methodology which is non-biblical and largely non-functional because we think it works. It's getting back to these first principles that really is what the book of Joshua is about. It's about a life of victory. But it's victory in the Lord. It's that which God gives And you and I are just responsible to follow his directions. So you have these precise instructions. Have a new strategy with reference to AI. And set an ambush behind the city. Let's just get the geography in our heads here. Where they were coming from was to the east of AI. Therefore, 
All of you geographers, where do you think the ambush was? That's not a rhetorical question. If you're approaching from the east, where do you think the ambush was? All right. So the ambush would be to the west of the city. That's why it's said three times here, so that you and I would get it clear in our minds. Why to the west of the city? Well, look what follows here. Verse 3, Joshua and the whole army moved out to attack Ai, and he chose 30,000 of his best fighting men, sent them out at night with these orders. Listen carefully. You are to set an ambush behind the city. Now, there's a lovely lesson here, isn't there? The only direct emphasis which the Lord placed to Joshua was to set an ambush behind the city. What does Joshua say to his soldiers? It's all right, you can speak. (laughs) Set an ambush behind the city. Couldn't be any more direct. There's no breakdown between what the Lord said to Joshua and what Joshua says to his army. It's just a transfer of the exact statement which the Lord had made to Joshua And he transfers that to his army. You're going to set an ambush behind the city. And if you and I are going to to follow the Lord's directions, we're better to do what we're told and not what we think we're told. Because all of us tend to gloss things. We tend to interpret Scripture and make it fit into a particular framework that we have in our head. If the Lord says it, do it. You remember the story, or you may not remember because you might not have read it, but in John chapter 2, The Lord goes to a wedding, very much in our minds, because we have three weddings in six weeks, all related to our family. But, uh, you know, the Lord went to a wedding, and Mary said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. And the Lord said to the servants, fill up those big um, vats, with 30 gallons of water. Yeah, that's easy, but... So they do that. That's what the Lord tells them to do. So they do that. And then he says to one of them, take of that which you have now drawn, which they knew was water, and give to the ruler of the feast. That's the hard bit. Because you knew what you put in the big jug. It was water. And you're taking it to the ruler of the feast who's responsible for the wine. Would you do it? It's so easy to do the easy bit of what the Lord says. The hard bit is doing the next bit. Because there's always this progression. So he takes this water that he had drawn and put into the the big jug and he takes it up to the ruler of the feast. And the ruler of the feast says, this is just smashing wine. This is the best wine. Why did you keep it to now? You usually give the best wine at the start, and then whenever people had a wee bit too much, they can't taste it, you give them the worst. Why have you kept the best stuff till now? Because what the Lord provides is always the best. You set an ambush behind the city. In other words, if you're going to win this battle, you need to do exactly what the, the Lord Outlines. But then you'll notice you have other things that ally to that. 
And he says some interesting things here. Don't go very far from it. First thing. All of you be on the alert. Sometimes we're not like that as a church, are we? We get a bit dozy. Especially if we're up early in the morning. Or in this case, they go out during the night. And Joshua says to them, look, you need to be always on the, alert, on the alert. You know what the Lord Jesus said to his disciples one night when they went into Gethsemane? Watch and pray. You know what happened, don't you? They slept and didn't. You know, we often hear the Lord speak to us, and I often have a sense of the Lord speaking to me while I'm preaching, to me. But I don't always do what he tells me. The Lord says, be alert, watch and pray. Be alert for your enemy, the devil, to quote the apostle. Goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be alert. There are situations arise in our lives every day which may have a hidden emphasis that we don't immediately recognize. Be alert. Watch and pray. And then he outlines to them the rest of the the strategy, which we won't go into this morning. There are lessons here. But you'll notice what he says down towards um, the end of verse 6 as the phrase in it. So when we flee from them, you are to rise up from ambush and take the city. And then you have a totally different emphasis to what they were saying earlier. The Lord your God will give it into your hand. The Lord your God will give it into your hand. This is so important, my dear brothers and sisters. Whenever you and I walk with the Lord and we obey the Lord, the blessings of the Lord always follow. I'm not talking necessarily about physical blessings, but there is always a spiritual blessing from following the Lord. And if you and I just take a step with him, and there may be something in your mind right now that the Lord has been laying on your heart for a week or two, Just trust him and walk with him in it. And then recognize the blessing which follows. This was the requirement. This is what the Lord had promised. I've given you the city. You'll notice he said that earlier on at at the end of verse 1. I I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Now he says this bit further down as Joshua speaks to them. The Lord will give it into your hand. You take the city. The Lord will give it into your hand. And then this phrase. Do what the Lord has commanded. Do what the Lord has commanded. One of the things that the Lord Jesus said to his disciples in the upper room in John 14, I think it's verse 15. It's one of those references that's fairly easy to remember. John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. It's easy to sing songs. It's not saying, Lord, I love you. But it's demonstrated in how we react. Have this mind in you, the apostle writes in Philippians 2, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, 
thought not equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself of no reputation and was made in the likeness of men. In other words, don't get on a high horse. I meet a lot of Christians who sometimes have a high horse. Sometimes we have favorite things we like to argue about because we've thought about them a bit and we think we know the answers. But we need to learn that other people have probably got on other high horses and seen a different angle on things. My responsibility before the Lord day by day is to just do what he tells me to do. Do what he tells you to do. That's why we have to read the scriptures. There was a recent survey which was done amongst the uh, preaching clientele in North America. And they asked somewhere in the region of 20,000 nonconformist pastors and preachers how often they read their Bible for their own edification rather than for preparing a sermon for next Sunday. 17% of those who responded said they read the Bible for their own edification. The other 83% only opened the pastors and preachers only opened their Bibles when they were going to preach. That scared the life out of me. Because I spend a lot of time in preparation, but I need to, to hear what the Lord's saying to me outside of what I'm preparing to preach. You understand? I need to spend time with the Lord. You need to spend time with the Lord. We need to spend time with the Lord. Because it's the whole army who's engaged here and we're called to recognize that. As I close, let's just pick up two other phrases. Verse 10. Early the next morning, Joshua mustered his men, and he and the leaders of Israel marched before them to Ai. The entire force that was with him marched up and approached the city and arrived in front of it. Everybody's involved. Sometimes within churches, the leadership is overburdened. Because everybody says, well, it's their responsibility. You know, they got to sort it out. They got us into this mess and they got to sort it out, you know. But we are all in this together. The scripture's interesting here, isn't it? Always is, but he mustered his army. He and the leaders of Israel marched before them to Ai. The entire force that was with him marched. They didn't wander. They didn't dawdle. They were committed to this particular task and they marched together. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? You know that people are starting to ban the, the old hymn on we're Christian soldiers. They don't want it sung next Sunday at remembrance services. Why not? Because the church is a ambling sort of place and doesn't really have a lot of purpose. And so why would we march anywhere? We are engaged in warfare, my dear brothers and sisters. Not against those immediate physical things that we see around us, but against spiritual forces, against spiritual wickedness in high places, as Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 6, from which I've already quoted. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We are engaged in a warfare with someone who sought to put the Son of God to death using human means. But God delivered him to death for his eternal purpose. 
And you and I are still engaged in that particular warfare and committed to it. There is a necessary unity in our responsibility to the Lord's direction. A necessary unity in our responsibility to the Lord's direction. And the final thing? Well, the timing's all down to him. Look at verse 18 and think about this perhaps later on. Again, 18 begins with the little word then. At that point, the Lord said to Joshua, Hold out towards Ai the javelin that is in your hand, for into your hand I will deliver the city. So Joshua held out his javelin toward Ai. As soon as he did this, the men in ambush. And then you have the sequel. The Lord's timing under his direction in his time. Joshua had to be careful not to be premature to launch the ambush too soon. He had to obey the Lord's instruction at the time it came. And he raised his javelin. There's a phrase that talks elsewhere in scripture that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. When the enemy comes in like a flood. In other words, when the church is under extreme pressure, it is then that the Lord intervenes. When the individual is under extreme pressure, it is frequently then that the Lord intervenes because we're cast upon him. We recognize there's, there's no way out. So the Lord's timing is critical. In the little book of Ecclesiastes, there's a, a series of phrases which start with a time to live, a time to die, and so on. The Lord's timing for you and me is, in spite of the reservations we might have, is always perfect. We don't see it very frequently at the time, we look back in a year or two. Jill and I were on holiday. Our youngsters were very small. In fact, we only had one. And we were on holiday in the north of England. And uh, we were due to come back home on the Friday of that particular week. And on the Wednesday night, we were staying with uh, an uncle and aunt of Jill's. And when we went into the home... Um, they took us into two separate rooms and Aunt Hilda spoke to me and Uncle Jesse spoke to Jill just to say that my mother had died suddenly had been out for supper on the previous evening and had died we managed to get a, a sailing the previous night previous to the original um, arrangement we had made because the funeral was taking place on Friday morning and when I went to the home, my father greeted me. We had a hug together. And I was so angry. Angry that I hadn't had a chance to say goodbye to mum. Angry that it happened at the age of 62. Angry that we'd be in holiday, we had been on holiday and I wasn't there for my, fa my father, my sister. Just angry. It took me probably 18 months to recognize that my anger was wrong. I confess to you before I'm a slow learner. And even at the age of 33, I was a slow learner. Why was I angry? Does he not do all things well? 
Is his timing not as it should be? Does he not know what is best for us? Don't I trust him with my life? Am I dying? The Lord raised up and said to Joshua, you raise up that javelin and that is the right time. Let's pray together, shall we?